Connor, do you have a Phillips screw, screwdriver or no? I, my, no. My podcast. I my, don't. My, my mic thing keeps falling on me. <laughs> anyway, welcome guys to this episode of Midwest Flyways Podcast. Today we have a very special, very <laughs> special kid on here today. And I mean that he is a kid. Here we have Gavin Colas on. He's a very good friend of Midwest Flyways. We've been hunting with him for the last couple of years. You might actually recognize him from a couple of videos we've had him on. Say hello, Gavin. Hello, everyone. I do not believe I've made the video because Connor always edits me out. <laughs> <laughs> per your request, actually. Uh, there have been a thing. couple of requests for that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I love that. No, or, actually, or actually, more often than not, you just swear, right? As soon as yeah, I point the camera that at is you. true. I, do, I have a foul mouth. I won't lie. <laughs> this is your area, though, dude. This is oh, your arena. Absolutely. The podcast. It's explicit. <laughs> Fucking let it ring, baby. Right? The <laughs> only time I think I've actually made it on video is the first video where Connor literally flashes me and I have no vision because it's dark as hell. And I just like, oh, hi, Connor. Thanks. <laughs> He's like, oh, sorry. Just keeps panning. Like, oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love looking at all this chest hair poking out of the top of your shirt too. Dude, I know it's bad. And you're white as Casper the ghost. Oh buddy. Yeah. Give me till July when we start working outside again. <laughs> all right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep poking at your physical Thanks. appearance. Yeah, don't worry, you're ugly no. anyway. <clears throat> Clearly. So um Gavin's a really good friend of ours. He's been taking us on fields in his hometown that his family is a founding family of, right? And Correct. what did they what did they do? <laughs> Uh, we family. were one of the six original farming families for St. Michael Albertville. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, so we what, started on the north end of town farming in the same place we farm now. It's been 112 years. 112 years. Mm-hmm. Does that make you really yes. like really famous at the local bars and stuff? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows kind of the last name. I don't know if I'm famous, but the old <laughs> man is. I can't go anywhere with the old man without running into four to five people that he knows or has mm-hmm. done business with. Yeah. Which is kind of part of it. And what, what year was that? <laughs> 112 years ago? When oh, was, God, the, when no. was the family founded? Uh, when was the family it, founded? That, that would make it what, 1904. Yeah. 1904? Yeah, 1904. Because before that, my grandparents owned uh, like a general store in town of a different town, and then they moved to St. Michael. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, part of my family, the Coles side. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's kind of no history ni- like that. No, it's kind of nice. Like the barn, the barn foundation is still all original, so that's kind of nice to like build, go back to that, mm-hmm. and have that history. But other than that, everything else is new. You that's think cool. you, you guys are gonna? Do you think the farm is gonna get squeezed out? From- At some point, it's just a matter of time. I mean, you, you see what it's like right behind the old man's when we hunt. I mean, you hunt right next to half million dollar homes. Yeah. At some point, someone's gonna push enough dollars one way or the other where the city just goes, "Hey, this doesn't fu- doesn't make enough." sense money wise to keep you guys here we might as well move you or just buy you out Mm -hmm. it just happens to everybody i mean it's just it's the game same things happen in rogers the same things happening in dayton more down here a lot right the only perk to down here is you've got so many horse farms they just can't push those people out because they'd have the money to not care (laughs) versus we don't have that they have the money where they're like meh Taxes got higher. That's fine. Don't right. give a shit. I'm going to go ride my horse. Yeah, I'm going to go ride my zebra around the arena. Thanks. Have a nice day. I'm going to go ride one of my safari animals. Reginald, where is my bubbly? Bring it to me now. When I worked at Milo, we wired up a barn for a lady, and that's what her husband bought her for their 30th wedding anniversary gift was a zebra. Oh my God. 
Yeah, so like <laughs> we literally got there, and I was like, "What is that thing?" And he's like, "It's a little like zebra baby." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, we stole it from the mother in the night." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, it's not really legal." I'm like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "How much does that cost?" He's like, "60 grand." I'm like, "To own a own that zebra?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Can I ride it?" He's like, "No." <laughs> no. <laughs> I did convince him to let me ride a mini pony. Not as cool as I thought. I got bit. <laughs> it was not fun. He was aggressive. A mini pony. A mini yeah, pony. they had this like mini pony that every time they'd feed it, they would like corral it with a gate so that it couldn't get at you because it was mean. I was like, let me ride that thing when he's okay. So he puts this like harness on it and shit. And he's like, go ahead, get on. I got on and then I instantly got bit. I was like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. The ride's over. <clears throat> I like that. That's funny. No, so. So, Gabby, the reason why I brought you on here is you're kind of one of those guys in the industry Not that nobody industry that nobody really knows too much, but, like, the people that do know you are, like, uh, they're well-known. You know what I mean? So, like, you you know a lot of those people, and that's just very interesting so, to me. So you're here because of who you know, not because of what you and know. And who you blow, dude. Hey, man, and both of blow. those things have gotten me everywhere in my entire life. <laughs> it's totally okay with me. Just it's incredible at blowjobs. I'm more of like a, a hand motion guy. <laughs> oh, no. It's usually what kills it. Oh, my God. That wrist action. <laughs> um, Electrician boy. <laughs> Dude, strong hands. Strong hands. Magical fingers. Oh, my God. No, and then you're also pretty good dog trainer. Uh, I know a little bit. I don't know a lot. I just mess around. Oh, and you, and your your goal is to start your own kennel, right? Yeah, that is the ending goal at some point. I would. When like. do you think you'd do that? Um, The tentative goal now with my buddy Ben is three years. Three years would be the startup of it. I would still work full time, and then we would run gun dogs and bomb dogs like we do now. But then slowly progress to the point where it pays two trainers enough wage to then stop my full time job. Yeah, so that I could step away from working full time. But right off the gate, it won't pay enough for what your startup cost is, which okay. we knew. So how many how many dogs have you trained so far in your lifetime for um, hunting dogs for or hunting bomb dogs. dogs too? I've done one bomb dog for the Rangers. Um, it handles. It's a specialized program for that. Um, my buddy Ben puts the odor on and all that. I just do the basic obedience and the handling skills to it. Um, personal dogs, I've trained three of my own that I've owned. Two of my are my uncles. I've helped you with yours and then yeah. Con- and Connor with his, my buddy uh, with his. So, And then a couple other client dogs here and there. So I'd say probably around 10 to 15. But okay. then I've helped a pro with a lot, just throwing marks and been around it since I was, uh, well, I got my first dog at 12 or 11. And then I've trained out at, at a pro's place out west of here ever since. So, like, all the dogs that he's had come through for force fetch, basic OB, I ran through the basic drills, basic things with that, and kind of learned on the fetch table with him and everything else off that. And then I've done all my own dogs and then a couple client dogs that same way. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of, I picked up on it as a kid. I liked it. It clicked for me, and I've always kind of had an enjoyment of what you could teach an animal. So then it just kind of, when I got Ginger, my older one, it just kind of clicked, and I ran with it. Yeah. Well, she's a good dog, dude. She's a bird dog. She's not much of a competition dog. She doesn't run the big fancy blinds. She doesn't do the big flashy water entries. But if you want her to go find something, you're never going to lose birds. I can think of two birds I've lost in the last three years over her. She just, she's got a solid nose, solid hunting ethic, and she just doesn't back off, which is good and bad. There have been days where that's come back to haunt me. (laughs) Well, I, I told, I think it was last podcast or two podcasts ago when I was talking about the Mallard band that we shot together. And how uh, 
she had so much drive, you had to like pull her away from that area because you thought she was going to drown. Oh yeah, dude, I got super nervous that day because that was that thick ice. It was like thick and then thin and then thick again. And when well, we're was on like, a river system that we have no idea, it's changing yeah, depths. And, and the other hard part is with that system is it floods every year, so it changes the depths. Oh, out. the sediment washes yeah, away so at like, the bottom of the river. Like you found that hole that day. We oh. got out of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm literally standing in like ankle deep water. He's and then maybe three feet from me. Not even, probably two. I'm literally touching the nose of the boat, and I'm holding it. I go, Joe, hop out. Let's let's get the boat moved. Okay. And he jumps, and I thought he was kidding. I had one and foot he, out of the boat. He literally just sank up to like here, and I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "There's a hole." I'm like, "Oh, oh shit." Okay. My leg was and stuck in the boat, and I I, I was had just to like, like caught him, and I like got him out of it. And I'm like, "You already?" He goes, "I'm really wet." I'm like, "Oh, you got water in your <laughs> like waiters? negative eleven. Yep. And yeah, dude, coldest morning. It's like yeah, negative eleven, negative ten. No wind, Oof. miserable out. <laughs> and like the whole thing made me uncomfortable with Ginger because she got up on the ice and then broke through. Then she got back up again and didn't break. And I went, okay, I don't like that. Because if she goes five feet and falls, now she can't get back up or something yeah. happens. And I can't get to her because what if the water's too deep? And the boat wasn't even close. Didn't you go bury that like around the channel oh, yeah. and no. shit? Well, because... Yeah, I mean, we had nowhere I put to hide it, it in that I put hole. It like an eighth of a mile from us. Yeah, so I had no way to get to her. So yeah. like, Joe was like, "Let's get it." I was like, "No, I'm pulling her." And I whistled, and she stopped and looked like looked at me, and I whistled her in, and she kind of looked back at the bird and looked at me, and I was like, "Nick, no, get in here, like come. I don't want to deal with this." Because the other thing is, if she does start to have like an issue and we can't get to her, or even if you do and she goes hypothermic, we had no way to start a fire. None of us were prepared for it to be that fucking cold. No, yeah. no, 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 like no. all of us were like, oh, it'll be like 20, 25. It'll be fine. I had like a little joke ass, like the Walmart reflective blanket is as good a heat as we had. And then we had some heaters with like half fused propane tanks. <laughs> no, nothing else. <laughs> nothing prepared for this first morning. Like reasonable. It wasn't bad. It was like 10 degrees. No, 15. It was great. Next morning, negative 10. The morning after negative five. Just miserable mm-hmm. oh, and we were in the elements too like we were getting smacked by wind, by wind. That, i it say was that so, second day it was like 20 mile an hour wind well, well we were shooting day the problem with panel blinds is when you're shooting a crosswind that wind whips <laughs> through that blind man and you are not protected whatsoever your heaters go out and you and if you fall through the water yeah joey falls through the water so he's like cuddling riley over there in the corner trying to stay warm and riley's like get away from me but dude you gotta hand it to me i hunted all day Honestly, it's the one hunt he's never complained on. <laughs> um, all day in the cold, nothing, no complaints, no, not never once. Mm. I, I, I think I bitched because my face was so raw from the wind. Sure. I think I bitched a little bit because like my cheeks like hurt. They were blistered when we finally oh, left. No, 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 no. That's why that hunt is the reason why my nose is perpetually red. Uh, no, so it's, it's just because you have a big ass schnoz because you're Italian. That's why. Oh. Before we get too far into this, um, I we should uh, talk. Of, have you ever heard of Camel Retro? No. You, you have no I idea have what Camel Retro not is? Not a clue. What is Camel Retro? Joey, tell them about Camel Retro. Camel Retro is a place where you can, it's an it's a website, and okay. you can go online and sell. I don't sell, know what the interweb is. You can sell. <laughs> All right, Gavin. Well, just imagine a place, a mystical place. <laughs> Where you can buy and sell old hunted hunting and vintage hunting gear. Okay, is and that where it's you like get a market place from? They, That's they, where I've gotten some. That makes sense. They do. <laughs> <laughs> they do have like newer stuff too. You can buy and sell all all types of stuff, and you can beyond apparel, you can do like 
uh, you know, choke tubes and blind bags and that oh, kind really? of stuff too. But it's pretty cool. Sweet, because cool, I have actually. like a pile of gear at home I've been looking to get rid of. So that actually is nice. To go know. to Camera Retro. Sweet, I'll go there because I've got five blind bags. Like just well, old you shit you I make your use. own price. Yeah, so whatever you want to sell that. Do you just is, is it just like a Facebook Marketplace? You just post it's that better. Oh, it's, it's better. Yeah. It's there, better. There but is like, like you just you set a price and a location, and people are allowed to message you on whatever it is or what. Well, you send it out, so it's kind of like an eBay. Type oh, thing okay. for it. So if you, you can bid on it. There's no way that your product you don't receive the product before the person gets the money. Oh, so you can't get screwed. Even better. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I'll definitely do it because I've been we were cleaning out the base the other morning and I, I was just like, I have so much just old gear I don't use. Perfect. Old blind bags, old apparel, Drake stuff that I bought when I was a kid that doesn't fit my fat ass anymore. But anyway, <laughs> Camel Retro sponsored the podcast. So thank you to Camel Retro for uh sponsoring us up and yeah. Go check them out, cameraretro.com. I left a link in the description as well. But back to dog training. <laughs> I have a question from <laughs> for like a lot of people, you know, they get a dog and they really just don't do it right. You know, that from from the get-go, they mm-hmm. want to get a, you know, a young dog and then they just pay somebody else to train it all the way through. Which what? is better if you do not have the time. I'm going to say that up front. Okay. If you do not have the time to dedicate the right way, which is not a lot of time, 20, 30 minutes a day, twice a day, all you need to do to do it the right way if you want a good hunting dog. Okay. But if you don't have that and are not willing to do that, just pay a pro. So if you or don't have that dog. and aren't willing to do that, would you recommend buying one at seven weeks so it gets to know you and no, and then paying somebody or what? no? Okay. I would I would advise people to just go buy a started dog. A, a dog at started level is probably anywhere from a year to a year and a half, maybe a, a tad younger, depending on development level and how fast it develops into its skill level. But the majority of dogs are going to be just fine going from a pro because that's all I've ever known is that pro. And that pro isn't like, generally, I shouldn't say that, generally are not like super lovey-dovey, not friendly. They're not in the house with them. They're not that socialized. They're socialized, but they're yeah. not like a family in-house pet kind of thing. Right, that's sure. not how they operate. It's a kennel. It's a business. Yeah. Uh, some do, most do not. So to me, like, like my dad's a prime example. My dad has no time. Five kids, sports, work, travels. Mm-hmm. He always wants a puppy, and I always push him to just buy a started dog, and that's what the last two he's done, and it's worked out way better. You get a year-old dog, still got the energy, still very loving, still give it six months to introduce to the family. It learns its order. It learns where it falls in the pecking order, and the training's already done. You have to do some tune-up work and a little bit of one-on-ones, but the majority of the foundation is done, which is the hardest part for people. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, you have a dog that can hunt come fall. So if you buy a started dog in the spring, you do your one-on-ones, you do your drill work, you kind of keep up on it and introduce it to the family, whatever. There should be no issue hunting that dog come fall. So mm-hmm. to me, sure. the started dog is much better. If you want, some people say that they need that bond and that time. A seven-week, eight-week-old puppy is just fine too. But I think for the money you spend by the time you buy a $1,500 puppy or a $2,000 puppy and you wait six months to send it to a pro and then you spend two grand on force fetch and then three grand on training, you could just spend the four grand and be done in one shot. And mm-hmm. then you have a force fetch done dog. Yeah. Personal opinion. Okay. And so, and then for somebody that wants to give it the best shot, get a puppy, has the time, you know, pretty consistent schedule, can come home for lunch, that kind of a thing. What, what I always recommend them? like buddies that get dogs that either find a friend that trains, find a club, there's plenty of clubs around. If you're in Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, I mean, those are the biggest concentrations of one, professional dog trainers, two, grounds, three clubs that are uh, public and private for multiple people. Like, I'm a part of three 
MFTA central and then four points. And then I have my mentor where I train out with him and he runs kind of a private classes, but the majority of pros will allow you to pay for either private one-on-ones or any number of things, but every town has a basic obedience trainer in it. And to me, if you just want a good hunting dog, do a puppy class. It's killer. I do them. Puppy class? Yeah, just a straight puppy class. You go in, you do basic OB, you socialize the dog. You're just there to learn from a very experienced obedience trainer, which those ladies are hard knocks, much more strict than I am on OB and plenty of things. Mm -hmm. But, like, it just introduces the dog to different people, different scenarios, different dogs. You see what to work on. They give you, like, um, homework Hey, go home and work on this. Now work on this. Yeah. And at the end of it, you have an obedient dog. Well, two-thirds of hunting and everything else is obedience. Right. So you just need that. I, I love when people try to si- like seek out a pro. Go find someone willing to give you a one-on-one. If you can work Saturdays, pay a pro the 55 bucks an hour that he charges you to work with him on a Saturday. It, it's worth the weight in gold, in my opinion. Or yeah. find a friend like you did. Like you called me and said, hey, I'm getting a dog. I want to know things. Okay, what do you want to do? And we, we laid the groundwork out from the get-go. I want to do this, this, and this. You'd come to my house. We'd run marks. I'd give you OB lessons. Now go home and work on this, and then next week we'll work on this. And we did that all summer. And then yep. Nelly did great opening day. Quiet, mm-hmm. obedient, good marking skills, straight out, straight back, no issues. Yeah. And so um, for um, – what, well, what's the most common thing that somebody doesn't do, if, you know, when they're getting a puppy that you would, you know, kind of is, is the advice that you'd say to do? I don't know if it, there's necessarily a common thing people make a, a mistake on. I would more phrase it as, like, the day I bring a dog home, I start teaching. Mm-hmm. I start little games, food in my hand, raise its head until its butt hits the ground, then it gets the treat. It has no idea that it just sat for the treat, but you're laying the groundwork. You lay the groundwork for everything you train later in the first couple of weeks. They're like a little sponge. You can teach everything. I mean, my buddy Bend Out East has kind of a new system. He's training dogs to work off radio collars. So the dog has a radio collar on. It listens to a number of commands through a, a radio. Basically, you command it. It'll oh, turn shit. left, right, That's cool. down, up, jump, things like that. But he built a little stand that you can put the dog in to teach it directional. So it'll go left, right, forward, back, and it'll turn. It'll pivot. Well, I want to use that for kind of beginning handling with an eight-week-old puppy and see if that would speed up the handling level and speed up kind of the basics to T, double T, things like that, uh, mm-hmm. three-handed casting, any any number of things. Um, but my thing is, is just get a book, videos, anything. I mean, there's thousands of resources out there. Well, but just, what do you, what would you say is a good video source? Uh, that, because I know that uh, what's Cornerstone the, Gun I say Dogs Cornerstone Gun Dogs, I have never looked at it, but I know a multitude of people that have and they love it. Really? I got two buddies out in Montana that have used it and love it. I've got one buddy down south that uses it and then another buddy in Kansas and they all four of them love it. They've used it. They find it really good, really helpful. Um, there's, there's, I think I, I want to say it's thousands of drills on there, a couple hundred. It's a lot of videos on there right. to access and use, which is huge. I like Rex Carr's videos, um, Waterworks. There's a number of videos out there. If you go to Amazon and just type in retriever books, I yeah. mean, I've bought them. I bet I've got 30, 40 books off there that I've read. I still buy new books. Like, I do animal behavior books. Like, right now I'm reading three. I've got an, an animal behavior one, and then I'm rereading a retriever one, and then I've got, I forget the third. The third is, like, a kind of more of, like, a training habits in all animals thing. It's, like, uh, 
it's different. It's like a different thought process kind of book. I've never, mm. I haven't read that one a ton. I think I'm only like a chapter. <coughs> I read Water Dog. And Water I Dog's that was a, a good, good one. one. Yep, that one. That was um, an old, old book. I say it's old school. Um, I'd have to look at the exact titles I have at home, but I've got a multitude of books I was given as a kid that I read. and That's kind of where my, in, my interest sparked because we had a dog trained out of pro. Um, and then I just took off with it. I ran her in tests. I thought it was the coolest thing ever when I was like eight, nine. And then I just kind of took off once I got my own. Yeah. So what's your, what's your plan for chance? Cause that's like your dog. I've noticed you've really taken, like you've really taken chance super seriously. And he's a, machine he's a machine but he's <laughs> the best word for it the dog's got no, I one, mean, one thing and one thing no that's only. all he cares about forward i don't think he even cares about female dogs dude uh, i think he just I'm, cares about i'm birds. worried about that because to be honest like there's been jokes i'm not like, wrong if, am i no but no the joke is is if i breed him would it make him calmer or would it make him worse yeah he follows me around <laughs> enough with a bumper i don't even know if i want him following me around with like the tube they use for that being like hey man I ain't got thumbs. Help me out. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Like, he follows me enough around as it is. I don't know added things. That's so gross. <laughs> oh, it is. My vet, yeah. There's stories I can okay. tell you about Okay, that. maybe let's stay away from those stories. <laughs> <clears throat> but are you going to run him in uh, competitions and all that? Um, because I'm guessing if you're starting a kennel in the next three years or so, you obviously need a dog that is... Yeah, you got to have that level, right? Some yep, awards on the yep, wall. Yep, some awards on the wall. So Ginger's ran some Nara stuff and some uh, some Upland work through Nara, but nothing major. She's got some very minor stuff. But Chance has been my number one dog and my competition dog now since my first two dogs were hunting dogs, and I kind of got into hunt tests, and Gin Ginger got old, and I was playing varsity. Didn't really work out. So then I took over um, more with Chance being my new competition dog. Um, the tentative goal is we have a fall field trial come August at my, one of my clubs at MFTA for Minnesota, and I would really like to run in that in August. Um, on the books right now, he's in three seminars as a working dog and myself as a working handler for one in May, one in June, and then one in July. And then that, we're just going to train. Last summer with some injuries and me buying the house, training kind of fell to the wayside with figuring all that out and working extra and everything else. So yeah. we only trained basically I would say one day a week versus I'm usually six to seven on average, usually one day off in there. So I'm usually good for, I would say a solid six days a week. Okay. And last year, just with everything going on, I didn't get that. So he's a little behind in places. We got some solid drill work done at the beginning of last year for his water blinds that look really smooth and really nice, but I really want to amp up kind of the size and the technical stuff that we're throwing in for marks. Um, but that's my goal is to run the queue, the qualifying stake at our mfta trial come august or september whenever we decide to hold that dude hopefully the covid opens that shit up sure so but that's the plan with him now i would let my goal with him is a qualified all age would be my my goal oh, okay yeah cool so that's kind of the plan for him i might run some hunt tests once he gets a little older but right now i, I like the field trial game i like the fact that there's a winner and a loser Sure. You win or lose. There's no, there's no like, well, you met the standard. Here's your ribbon, which I, I still think that's cool. And for some guys, that's what they want. But I like that aspect of a win or a loss kind of thing. And I beat you. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I kind of dig that. So, and it, and it's big shit. I mean, they throw you big shit. So, and I like that kind of stuff. And he's the kind of dog that that's what he likes. He doesn't like looking at the short bird. He doesn't like small retrieves. He wants the big gun up the middle and wants to go. So sure. That's the, that's the tentative goal right now with him is to run this fall with him. Cool. So I'll have to take off a little bit of the hunting, which is going to suck because I'm going to probably try to trial up into October if I can. Sure. We'll see how that plays out. 
That's too bad. But yeah, what do you? Do? It'll be fun though. Skipping opener is really not that big of a deal around here. No, I don't really no. care that much anymore. You well, know? you're more of a field hunter anyway. Yeah, and we don't have anything open come opener. I'll Dude, usually I- go to a lake or somewhere, some little slough shithole that I don't care. But we shoot a handful <laughs> of birds and I'm happy, and I go right. home. The dog did some work and. It's the only hunt Ginger does every year's opener until her knees don't allow her. So right. it's kind of my time with her. I just let everyone else shoot. I think I shot one shell last year out of, I think we shot 18 or 19. I think I shot once. Mm. <laughs> I just sat there and I was like working the dog. Dude, and, and I was smoking my cigar and dinging around. I didn't care. I was just going to say that like we were uh, hunting with Bobby Guy down at Sand Hill Flyway and he, uh, his buddy had his dog there and man, like, I would, if I had a dog like that, like, I would go just to run the dog. Honestly, like... Well, he's a full-time guide, too. Yeah, yeah. Joe and is. everyone laughs at it, but, like, I don't half the time pull the trigger anymore. I mean, Joey's seen it. We've pulled up on flocks, and Joey fucking clacks off three rounds, and I just maybe shoot once, and then I let Chance out, and I heal him up, and I go, all right, buddy, ready? Dead bird. Back. And I just get in my zone. I mean, that's my thing. But yeah. that's why I want to go. Like, I don't care if we shoot one or a hundred. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. weird. I, <laughs> you're weird, dude. My dog makes one good retrieve, and I'm happy for the day. Like, I'm there for the dog work. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick between training and hunting, I mean, I hate to say it, but I would pick training all day, I think. Really? Truthfully, yeah. I enjoy way more of that. Wow. I enjoy it. It's it's weird, and people don't understand it, but I it just clicks for me different. I, I But, but I, that's what I'd want in a trainer. You I know? can yeah. see that. Like, I, and I and like everyone laughs at me, but like I obsess over that shit. I don't know. I if, think about it at night. I'll wake up at two thirty in the morning and start writing down like what I could have done better because I woke up with sweats from mistakes I made and shit like that. Like I, I eat, sleep, and breathe it. It's what I like. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm not to that point obviously, but I it's definitely something that like if you know running the dog for, for me yeah. is something that is just a lot of fun. I've I said this time and time again. I hunted before having good dogs or more or less without the good dogs coming with. And when we were in between dogs as a kid is when I first got into hunting because Tawny was too old and Diesel was still coming up as a, as being at the trainer before we trained our own dogs. But like I've been on banger hunts and not had a dog and it's not as cool to me. Like, right. like the hunts where the dog is with and there, there's that connection and that deep moment that to me is important. That's what I enjoy Yeah, is that work because Guys can shoot 100 birds over decoys, and that's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's badass. But, like, seeing the dog work and pick up birds and run a big blind, like, that's fun. That's interesting. There's some, mm-hmm. there's an art to that. Because you see someone like Connor who put the work in all summer calling me, te- texting me, which is not the easiest thing to get me to do. <laughs> Bill locked down a day where I can go, hey, man, I'm not running drills, and I'm not at Central, or I'm not at this place with a pro. Like, I'm not getting my own lessons. I can help you with yours. All right, I'll meet you at the house at 6. Like, it's hard enough to lock that down, but you kept pushing and pushing and pushing and wanting more and more. And it just shows the work you put in. Then the day Nelly made the first retrieve, it was the happiest day for both of us. I was just <laughs> as happy as you. I was like, getting great. Yeah. Woo! Like, it, we, we made it happen. Like, that's all I cared about that day. Yeah. yeah. And and there's, I mean, there's more to work on, you know? And well, there's always more. I mean, and that's Chance has his flaws like anybody. Joey knows that dog's got more gas than brakes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> But, but like Joey, that day we hunted off of 37 by the farm, you said, oh, Riley doesn't pick up geese. I'm like, give me a week. One week, and then we hunted that Saturday. What did she do? Picked up or geese. In the field. Yep, in the field. In but, the field. But you were worried. You're like, man, she doesn't do well with geese. I'm like, let's just try it. I'm like, now just everyone, unlo- everyone unload your guns, sit down. Joey, get out. Very controlled. Take her out. Send her on the bird. It was half walking away, half dead. It's just all mm-hmm. fucked up. Bam, she hammers it, brings it right back. No issues. And what'd you pick up that day? 11 geese? 12? Yeah. 
Because I think I bailed early, and you ended up shooting the full four man. Oh, you're talking about yeah. that with Noah? Yeah, yeah with Noah. The oh, day with um, Noah. The, that was it. What we shoot? Shot five nine. Nine. Shot. No, it was more than that. Because Cal left early, took his limit. Oh, that hunt. Yeah, Cal oh. left early, took his limit. I left early and took my limit. The standing corn hide. No, no. When we were, no. <laughs> When we were in the ditch grass. Oh, so we've hunted we, a lot together. Yeah, we have. There is that confusion. This is the day we ran Riley and not Ginger. We were by the farm where you come up over the hill. It's got the ditch in the middle, and we sat just off the ditch. You wanted to sit in the oh ditch, my God, but it's yeah. wet. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's wet. Yeah. And I didn't want to sit in the fucking water. I yeah. told you, no. You're you go, on the same page? Yeah, yeah now you're, we are. You're but the now. best part is you should have been there that morning. He goes, let's sit in the grass. I'm like, the grass is fucking wet because it's a drainage. And he's like... I want to sit in the grass. I'm like, I don't want my ass wet, man. So no, we're not sitting there. I'm not doing it. I was like, let's just sit in this tall stuff. It's not chopped we, up. We here. were still able to kill him. Oh yeah. What did we shoot that day? Like five, six mallards. And then I think we shot our full four man limit. It was a lot. Yeah. Cause we shot our four. Cause Cal left early. Cause Cal had something going on. Yep. He bailed. And then I had dinner with Morgan. I grabbed my geese and left. And then I literally got two dinner. And Joey goes, limited out. We're headed out. We're done. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> well, you said we weren't going to shoot anymore. Oh, anyway. yeah. We had, because we laid there all day because <laughs> the geese didn't fly. We had a two pack do it like five minutes after shooting light. And I was like, oh, dude, this can be fast and furious. Shot a couple wood ducks, shot a couple mallards. And then for the next five and a half hours, we didn't see a goddamn thing. <laughs> and I laid there, and the whole time I'm like, I have so much other shit I could be doing. Like, I gotta, I should just leave. And Joey's like, no, man, let's fucking grind it out. Come on, let's stay. Let's stay. I'm like, all right, I'll stay. I'm like, I have dinner at 6. I'm bailing out of here at 5. I bail out at 5.05. I get to my truck. I literally pull in the parking lot of the restaurant, and I hear... Ding, and I look, I'm like, no fucking way. It's not him. <laughs> I open it, and he goes, freaking done with our limit. We're out of here. I'm like, leave the spread. We're going to hunt in the morning. He goes, all right, I'll be back here at six. <laughs> and then I was late. Yeah. As every hunt we've ever been on together where I didn't stay in the same room as you, you, oh, nothing yeah. bothers me more. And the worst part <clears throat> is, at least when other people show up late, they bring donuts or McDonald's <laughs> or maybe like when I chew a tin of chew for me. You know what Joey shows up with? This shit ass grin going, well, what did you expect? It's me. <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> All right, guys. Here's the deal. Gavin's about four foot eight. <laughs> I'm 185 pounds. I'm not that heavy. <laughs> he looks like Bob the Tomato. And that's all you need to know about Gavin. And if you want to verify verify that, his Instagram name is Gavin Colas 12. You can check my Instagram. I am six foot even and 178. <laughs> I'm just trying to plug your Instagram, bro. Yeah, yeah thanks, buddy. And yeah, Come you're on. pretty good at photography. Too. I am subpar to you, Connor, but I do hey, try to do your thing. You you have successfully found a way to spend the least amount on gear and get the best <laughs> picture. <laughs> I gotta say that. Hey man, shout out to Phil Conkey if he's gonna listen to this, but thank you for the seventy to two hundred for a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. Yeah, with that two point eight has a cracked body and it's taped. That's why it's taped. <laughs> so he sold it to me for a hundred bucks because he felt bad or anything more. How did it crack? He dropped it. Yeah. I believe was the story out of his truck while taking photos and it cracked just a hairline fracture, but he sent it to Canon and to get it fixed was $740. Well, it's a gen one. So it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. So Phil just taped it. It doesn't affect the photos and I have somehow made it work with that. Hey. And I drew the guy down for a 70 Mark two. So that <laughs> works too. So I'm okay yeah. with that. I have nothing wrong with being the cheap guy in the group, but I, I take a few good photos a year. I don't get quite as many as you, but I try. You definitely take some good ones and we post them on our page. Um, but you got obviously the best part is, is, is that's how we met is I was trying to actually slide into Connor's DMS for photo photography help. <laughs> and, uh, Wade gave me your number, Joey. 
And I was like, oh, hey, like you're the photography guy. And Joey answers the phone and goes, let me call you real quick. I'm like, all right. Calls me and goes, yeah, I actually don't know shit about cameras because <laughs> I don't run our camera. I was like, oh, I thought this was the camera. He goes, no, that's Connor. He's like, let me get you to Connor's number. But like, if you want to hunt, I hunt a lot. So I'll hunt. I'm like, well, we're hunting tomorrow and we're going to hunt this flooded <laughs> meadow. Do you want to go? And he's like, fuck yeah, I want to go. I'm like, all right, be at this address. I'll send you the pin. Be here at, uh, I think I said six or like 540. I I was Joey late. showed up fucking late. Um, <laughs> so the first time I met him, and by late, I mean showed up four minutes before shooting light. And then walked, yes, because you walked out as we shot the first lock. Not true. Yes, true. Can confirm, can ask Riley if you want to clarify. All right, I'll, I'll clarify with Riley. But <laughs> Walks out, shoot the first flock, I and then we, we stacked up an eight-man limit that day with a bonus wood duck. Did I call before coming and said, hey, I'm uh, late? No, I called you because I went, hey, man, are you all right? Are you, like, in the ditch? Because that's generally the people that I hunt with. They're generally pretty prompt to be being on time. Prompt, sorry. Yep. And uh, didn't know Joey for shit at the time. I've known him for three days. And <laughs> Joey's like, no, nah, man, I just woke up. <laughs> and I'm in Corcoran, so I'll be there shortly. I'm like, oh, all right. Like, that's like a 20-minute drive, and you have 20 minutes before we can shoot. Oh, God. Great and, first impression. Yeah, right? Oh, I love this story right now, dude. <laughs> I, I love it. I don't remember it like this, but... <laughs> I remember it vividly because you've been late the majority of the time. With your <laughs> God. And I still love you. I oh. want you to know. Something makes me invite you I back. Mean, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if it's Connor or Riley <laughs> or what. It's probably my something. dog. I was going to say, we, we kept hunting with him. You know, I have never turned you down. Yep. I think, I've turned, I think I've turned that's on not a trip true. or two. That, that's not true. Um, the day that you shot three bands, you turned me down. Oh, man, we Hold already on. got too many people nope. in the field that day. No, 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 no. Let's clarify that. <laughs> you were doing a podcast, oh boy. and I text you saying, hey, Joe, do you want to hunt tomorrow? An hour goes by. One full hour, and I'm like, hey, man, it's 8.30 Friday night, and I have only a limited number of people I can put in this field and hide. You need to text me back. No response. I call Cal, sends Never me to voicemail, and I go, all right, I'll invite two other people to fill the blind, and then Joey texts me that night at midnight. Hey, man, what did you want? We were shooting a podcast. I didn't look at my phone. I'm like, a little late now, buddy. I'm asleep. And, and then, then we whacked three freaking bands. <laughs> we whacked dude. three bands and a, I don't remember how many geese. The important thing is I see where I am in this pecking order, and that is not on the list at all. I, you were actually elk hunting, fuck nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to hear nothing out of you because I literally called you early that week and went, hey, man, are you around to hunt this coming weekend? You went, no, nah, buddy. I'm in elk country for the next like two weeks. I'm like, oh, well, that's awesome. Stack oh. a couple. And you were like, yeah, man, I'm getting some sweet footage, but I got to go. I'm on the side of a mountain. All right. I forgive you. Yeah. Don't but act like if, I don't. If that's the way you. You, you say, I'm sorry, that, that's great because I forgive you. <laughs> I dislike you just a little bit when you do that. God. You guilt me into feeling slightly bad. God. You're the only one that I can give any amount of flack to and feel any remorse. Any remorse. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, well. so as, I don't know if you guys can tell, but Gavin is a good friend of ours, and <laughs> we've known him for quite some time. He's just—he's just one of those friends, years, buddy. It's he's just one of those friends that you want to literally throw a trident through his chest. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, <clears throat> if he calls you with any problem, you'd be like, "Oh, dude, I'll be right there." You know, he's one of those it assholes. Has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm cocky the, I, little shit, isn't he? I'm not cocky. One, uh, two. I'm also the friend Joy that you've called for help, and I have always answered. Okay, well, so something we ask everybody on the podcast is um, an embarrassing hunting story, um, or just the craziest hunting story, whether it's dangerous, stupid, like 
absolute nonsense, you know. Yeah. Um, I hunted the Mississippi one time. Or just awesome. Just with a buddy awesome. of mine that I no longer hunt with when Ginger was about four, which would have put us at like 15. I think we were 16 because we could just drive. So it was like a year and a half ago or what? Oh. <laughs> Take that crotch broom somewhere else, please. He's talking about my mustache. It looks like a pedophile. <laughs> Does this place Dude, get okay. warnings from schools? Between Connor and I, who has a pedophile mustache? Definitely you because yours is full. I have a mustache right now. You look like you just crawled what out of an that? 80s porno. All right. Like, All right. Do you get like notices from schools <laughs> saying you can't be within so many feet? Um, so back to the story. Um, <clears throat> we're hunting the river, and the Mississippi up here can get fast mo- moving in the fall. Super dangerous. And, and it can be. And for us, we were very inexperienced at this time with hunting the river. I'd only hunted the river like once or twice. He's only hunted a few times, but he lived on the river up towards Clearwater. So we go out, whatever, and shoot a couple of geese, a couple of mallards. We shot one diver, a bluebill, and dog's working. Ginger's doing great. She's coming back and forth, no problems. And we shoot this goose, and it kind of falls in something funny. And I can see out there that something's not quite right with the river. It's kind of making weird water, and it just doesn't look right. And I got this, like, weird tingling in the back of my neck where I'm like, God, I don't like that. But I can't do anything. We don't have a boat. But we're in kind of like a little, like, there's an island, and it splits, and it's a little slower. But it gets deep out past the island, and this goose ends up falling out past the island. Yeah. So we're kind of like the island, the river, we're up kind of in the front part of it. And she swims out, and... <laughs> to my mistake that morning, I'd put on her e-collar, but I had left her regular collar on. And it's oh, kind of no. loose. And <clears throat> she swims out. She's going, she's going, she's doing fine. She gets the goose, and when she turns, I don't know exactly how, but she ended up getting, there was a tree under there. So when she kicked it up or something, she got the branch stuck underneath the collar and ended up getting kind of stuck on it for a second. And she's thrashing. And my buddy, I'll leave him out of this because... Multiple reasons. This is not a story my mother knows either. So if mom, if you listen to this, I apologize. She won't. Um, hopefully not. <laughs> um, but um, either way, she gets caught and I can see imme- immediately she's in trouble and she panics. She lets the goose go. The goose starts floating down river. He immediately starts looking at the goose and I can tell instantly Ginger's not in a good spot. Yeah. So I instantly start shredding clothes. It's Thanksgiving weekend. And at cool. this time, it's like negative 10 out, I bet. Probably, uh, it's probably not quite that close. Probably close to zero. It's bitter cold. I mean, we've already had ice on lakes. It's cold, which is the only reason we hunted the river. Right. And I didn't have field gear the only to the open, same yeah. extent at this time as I do now. And I instantly start shredding clothes, and he looks at the goose, and I'll never forget the look. He looks back at me and goes, what are you doing? And I go, I ain't fucking letting her drown. And I literally stripped butt-ass naked, and I swam all the way out there, probably 30, 40 yards. Doesn't seem like a long way. Oh. Until you're in fucking yeah. sub 32 degree water. Oof. Oh, dude. I have, I, between the adrenaline and everything else, I felt real good. I got to her. <laughs> I broke the branch. I got her loose. She instantly starts to go for the goose floating down. Oh, right. my, oh God. my God. And I grab her by the collar and I just shove her towards her and I yell, I'm like, call her. And he calls her. She goes swimming towards him. And I'm reasonably a good swimmer. I mean, I grew up on water. I grew up skiing, swimming. Thermia, dude. Yeah. And I felt good. I'm, I'm a strong swimmer. I thought I'd be fine. I make it about halfway back and everything just starts to lock up. I can't move my arms as good. I can't move my feet. Terrifying. Nothing I can feel. I can feel it getting cold in places that I've never been cold. And I've never felt like this ever since. And to my thankfulness, I don't know what it was, but I literally start to lose like all power. He starts to come towards me, but it's too deep for waders. So then he's panicked because he's half in the water, half out. And he goes, what do I do? And I literally hit a sandbar with my foot and I am able to push off of that. I get up kind of towards the island. I get up on the island and I collapse. I end up standing back up and I get through the next thing of water and I get to him. He wraps me. Thankfully, 
shout out to my uncle for this because he gave me my first blind bag and he packed it full of like things you would need. What's he put in there? Emergency blanket. Emergency blanket and a fire kit. Oh, shit. To no end. I've carried one ever since this day, and I never thought to carry one in this moment. But it literally probably saved my life because we're like probably a mile from anybody that was able to help us. 16? Yeah, we were 16, and we had parked at his house. We're a mile from his house. We're on this little farmer that has some land that lets us hunt. Oh, so you walked in. We walked in. We're nowhere near anybody. Nobody knows where we're at. We didn't communicate where we were hunting. Nobody knew nothing. My parents didn't know. I didn't. At this point, I couldn't even tell you where my phone is. I can tell you, I get to land, I get to the rocks, I'm crawling on my hands and knees. He gets me in the blanket, he gets me up on shore, and I have never shivered this hard in my life. Like, I was painfully shivering. And he gets the fire going, and finally I'm able to start kind of getting some function back and everything else. And the best part is the whole time Ginger's just sitting next to me wagging her tail, just like happy as can be. Like, doesn't realize just like what's going on, the severity of it. (laughs) And we're just sitting there and he's like, are you good? I'm like, I just need to get warm. Like, that's all I care about right now is some warmth. And we sat there for probably a good, I I feel like probably an hour in that fire before I felt dry enough and like strong enough to like put my clothes back on. And then we, we picked up and left. Like he picked up all the decoys while I was sitting there. We walked out. I got to the truck. I drove home. I didn't hunt the rest of the season because I was a little freaked out. But I have yeah. never told my parents that ever. I kept that very under wraps because they were already a little weird about us hunting alone at 16 anyhow. Yeah. Especially like where we were going. I mean, we would disappear for a whole day. We'd go to a lake and disappear, go walk into Pelican, and we'd walk like out to an island because it was shallow. Or we'd right. walk into the marsh. We'd walk 800 yards out through the cattails <laughs> to be on a point and all sorts of weird shit we did oh, yeah. back then. Because we didn't know no better and didn't know the safety part. Well, <laughs> but and, literally, and like, back, like, when you're that young, you're like, okay, well, I've been hunting in this spot, and I see all the ducks going over there. I want to kill go. those ducks. Yep, I want to go. So I'm going to pick up my gear, and I'm going to move. And there's also that that mindset where it's like, hey, if it's, harder to, get, if it's harder to get to, it's going to be better. Yep, and I, ha- I've, I still have that to this day where I still like the 100%. hard stuff. I love 100%. the hard hunts. I love them. <laughs> and you know that. I've drug you through some shit. Mm-hmm. I love a good hard hunt. I love it. I always have. But yeah, that that is ingrained in my mind of like one safety. I always have a fire starter and a blanket in my blind bag. I always am paying attention to the dog where she's going. I'm always paying attention to that kind of stuff now, just because that could have went real south in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and thankfully the dog probably could have drowned. Oh yeah, and to you be honest, drowned. to be honest, I didn't give a shit about me at that time. All I cared about was getting her loose. I wanted her out of there. That's all I was on my mind was getting her out of the situation yeah. she was in. And my buddy thought I was insane. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, it doesn't matter. Got to get her. Got to do it. And I just dove in. I didn't think twice. I just went. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things. Would that you do the, it again? Yes. Without a second thought in my mind. If you die got, for a dog? Yep, 100%. If Chance got hung up, I'd do the exact same thing. I wouldn't question Really? If Ginger had fell through that ice that day in Nebraska, I would have dove in the same way. I'd have stripped naked and dove in and said, you guys figure it out. Go get the boat and get me back to the landing. I don't care. <laughs> I can I can stubborn my way through just about anything. I ran a marathon on very little training. If I can do that, I can <laughs> survive right. some water. I remember that's that. Right. <laughs> hey, that's, that's interesting, After I got man. back from Cal's wedding, I ran 18 miles hungover. If I can do that, I can <laughs> run Dude, yeah, didn't you buy new shoes the day of, too? Uh, two days before. <laughs> I bought brand new shoes two days before because I literally ran out of my shitty Nikes fucking, that I paid $30 for. a fucking for. shit show, dude. So the best part is I bought those literally at the outlet mall, the last pair of Under Armour shoes they had, and I show up, and they're like a $45 pair of running shoes, and I thought that was like enough money. 
Now the kids I'm running with are running with like 140, 150 yeah. pair of shoes. They're like clouds. And I ran on like fucking plywood. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> but I I fucking gritted my teeth and I ran that whole fucking thing. I was not quitting. It only crossed my mind to quit like once. And it was because so backstory of the marathon. I was uninformed <laughs> that you need to drink water, like alternate water to Gatorade during this. Oh, really? I didn't know this. <laughs> so I'm drinking. Did you know, so, any, did you know how long it was? Like, yeah, 26.2. Trust me. I fucking knew how long it was. So because science. Running, running grandma's marathon in Duluth, you see the fucking finish line from the start and it doesn't get any closer. <laughs> it's just a brain fuck the whole time. You just stare at the finish line like, oh, hey, it looks the same as it did half an hour ago. <laughs> you know, mentally draining that is. <laughs> I'm choking on bush light. Um, but no, so I didn't know you were supposed to alternate. So it's info that was not relayed to me as I didn't train much and I didn't pay attention much or just do it. I got kind of challenged to do it. So I did it. Kind of thing. <laughs> My buddies were like, we didn't invite you to do it because we didn't think you'd do it. I was like, bet your ass I'll do it. And then I fucking signed up and I was like, what did I just do? Because I know I wasn't going to take it serious and I didn't at mm. all. I think I did like six or seven training runs. One of them was the 18, and that was, like, my longest one. I was like, fuck it. I'm fine. I'm going to do it. So <laughs> Bro, I did it. Did this hungover after a wedding? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I did it. I hung over after a wedding in, like, 90-degree heat. I can run a fucking marathon. I'm fine. <laughs> but the worst part was, I, so I didn't know that you were supposed to alternate. So I didn't alternate at all. I drank Gatorade for, like, the first 24 miles. Yep. And then I go to the bathroom, and it's straight blood. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world Bro. is going on? So, like, now I'm panicking. Now I'm like, what's wrong with my body? I'm like, whatever. I only have. 2.2 left. I'm finishing this one way or the other. So then at the next station, there was beer and then there was a water. I grabbed the beer and then I grabbed the water because they tell you don't drink beer because you'll cramp. And I was like, well, I'm already fucking cramped. So give me that beer. So I took the beer. I grabbed the water. I drank both. I kept on running. I get to the finish line. My buddy Ben meets me at the line and Ben goes, how you feel? I said, well, I'm pissing blood, man. Get me to the aid station. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, what? I'm like, yep. I need to go to the aid station right now. Something ain't right. And I walk in. She goes, sir, did you, uh, did you drink any water on the run? I go, no. She's like, your kidneys are shutting down. <laughs> so you need to drink some, some water and just like flush your system of all the Powerade you've been drinking. I'm like, oh, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else I should know? And she's like, nope, just water and a banana and rest. I'm like, thanks. Oh, that's so, like the equivalent of like, did you turn yourself off and turn it off and turn it back on? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> thanks, lady. Should have told me that 26 uh, points. We got another guy ago. that's peeing blood again. Once I'll go tell him. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, moron. Stop if you just drinking drink the red power rain. <laughs> yeah, like, if you'd have just drank water every other time, you wouldn't be in this predicament. And oh my God. Yeah. yeah. But then the That's best what part, public school does to you, buddy. Right? But then the <laughs> best part of the whole marathon is, so we had a buddy that was shipping out for a ranger deployment that next morning, mm -hmm. and he was unable to drive up to watch us all run. It was a group of friends that ran it. So we all then got in the car after running and then drove three hours home to meet our buddy before he flew out. I had to be carried out of the car because <laughs> I cramped up so hard. I literally right, put my yeah. car on cruise, cruise the whole way till I got to the cities. And I like lowered the cruise and I literally opened the door to his house and was like, Hey homie, you're going to have to get me out of here. He goes, why? He's like, I don't so think dramatic. my legs work. So dramatic. Dude, dude, you can ask him all day. He literally put one arm under my legs and one under my arm and lifted me out of the car. No man left legs. behind. 
Yeah, no man, oh. thanks. Ranger Mottos. Thanks, buddy. It's a good friend. Oh my god. That's hilarious. Okay. Um next you're, topic. You're fucking hilarious. <laughs> first not at all. <laughs> I pissed blood. <laughs> That's a real fucking thing, man. It happened. No, I know, but it's just like you know how I'm terrifying that, that is I to somebody. Blood. You know how terrifying that is to someone who doesn't understand why they're peeing blood. That would be terrifying to me, dude. Yep. Well, yeah, but you'd probably have some reason behind it. I didn't have a reason behind it. I mean, you had you had ran twenty four miles. Like obviously, something is going on with that. Yeah, but I didn't make the connection to that. I knew I made the connection to why my feet hurt and why my hip flexors felt like they were going to explode to the yeah. running. I didn't make the kidney failure to that connection at all. Okay. Okay. Anyway, yeah. off of Gavin peeing blood on a daily basis. So we're going to we're going to go we're going to go to You're wearing a Pacific Call shirt. I am. And I met those guys because of you. Not really at like, Game Fair. Sort of At Game of me. Fair. Yes, at Game Fair. Uh what was that? 3 4 years ago? 3 Three, four years ago? Um, uh, no, two. Two years ago. Whatever. I've hunted Either. with him two years. Yeah, and that was the first year, so yeah, two years. Okay, this so um, anyway, Trevor Austin and Alex Yurgis, they are going to get on our podcast at some point. The only <coughs> reason why they haven't been on it already is because they live in Washington State. And they both work like 95 <coughs> hours a week. Yeah, they're mm. both just crazy men. Just they're grind. both crazy men. Um, I love them, and thank you for introducing them to me. At least I but can But you're wearing one of their shirts right now, and you are... How are you affiliated with Pacific Calls? So I work game fair in Minnesota at the Anoka shows every year since I was 12 due to my retriever club that I was a part of at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Four Points Retrievers runs all the dog shows, all the things, gets a lot of the help for the general grounds maintenance, all that stuff. So I was working the booth and I was in need of a duck call. And I didn't really know any companies at the time. I knew a little bit about CNS. I had met Mike Stelzner once through my buddy Ryan Bartle. He's a great guy. <laughs> Wonderful guy. One of, Easily one of the best guys in the industry that I know. Super good down-to-earth guy, hands down. Um, so I had looked at Mike's stuff. I actually had bought Mike's one of Mike's goose, goose calls, but I hadn't found a duck call his I liked or that I could blow really efficiently. <clears throat> so I ended up running... Uh, I didn't bring a dog at this point, but I was up running the... There's like a pointer simulation thing we used to do where they point shit for points and everything else. Um, but um, so then I walked past the Pacific Calls booth and I was like, well, that's kind of a cool logo. And Trevor kind of said something to me and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I kind of dipped in and was like, hey, hey fuckhead. No, he said something. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, how you doing? Or something very similar to that. And I just kind of dipped in, looked. I liked the calls. I liked how they sounded. I liked how it looked. And Trevor was a super down to earth, decent guy. And uh, after about 35 minutes of talking and then me getting yelled at because I didn't make it to my station to take over what I was supposed to be actually doing at yeah. Game Fair. Um, met Trevor, hit it off, super good dude, ended up exchanging phone numbers, texted back and forth a little bit that year. I ended up buying that first year a joker, and I still have it to this day, and it's still one of my top favorite like calls, it. and I love it. Trevor and Alex will listen to this and hate that because they hate that call. They've gotten rid of it, and they've reamped it like five times since I own it. I refuse to buy a new one because I love the original the most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Trevor just like was a cool down-to-earth dude. Well, then the next year, same thing. He works, whatever. And then... If I remember right, I think I bought, that was the year Jamie had came. I bought an, another call. And then he's like, hey, man, do you want to come to dinner tonight? And I was like, sure, I'll come to dinner. <laughs> so I go to dinner with him and Jamie and Sean Stahl, who I had known through dog training and a couple other people. And because he's famous as shit. Yeah, he is famous. I mean, I've watched his videos since I was a kid, he's but I kind of met shit. him a few times through some people. So then we all went to dinner. And then me, Trevor, and Jamie met Stelzner for dinner the following night. So he invited me to dinner two nights in a row when I was working, and it just kind of hit it off as friends. And then... We texted back and forth all year. We kind of hang out here and there. And then the following year, they stayed at my house. 
and then that year they actually asked me to work for them and be on staff. So then I am technically an elite staff for them. I provide photos for their pages and everything else. And I was just going to ask you, one of the biggest questions we get asked is how how do you get into the industry? How how did you guys start? How do you break into the waterfowl industry? And you, as someone who wasn't trying to break into the waterfowl industry, you just had a, an infatuation for photography. And you take, you take like, I don't know, like two and a half good photos a year. Maybe. If right. we're lucky. 13. Some good editing. It's some good editing tips from Connor. If I'm you just, ever need editing tips, please message Connor. He loves that. Midwestflyways at gmail.com. Yeah. Or on sure. his Instagram, Connor Olstead. Yeah, he loves that because I've bugged Connor at three o'clock in the morning with, what did I do wrong? And then he responds, <laughs> a lot of things, but we'll start here. <laughs> and then he's helped, he's literally critiqued me and helped me. A lot of those guys have. It's been great. But anyway, you essentially broke into the industry by meeting people at a show. I broke in purely by happen chance. Like well, I, happenstance. But yeah, but, thank you. But like you're you you were <laughs> at a you were at a fuck. I was I was working a show. Chance. Yes, I was I was working the show. But I got into it. I guess if through the working the show through that. So you met them at a show, and they invited you out to dinner, and then they saw that you were a photographer, and then they're like, hey, at this you point, should be no. on staff. At this point, no. Well, kind of. I had taken photos. Trevor wanted me on staff because I had worked Game Fear that second year, three days for them for free. I just came and worked. Sure. And I just was like, hey, man, do you need help? And he goes, yeah, Jamie's leaving next week, and I don't have anybody. Do you want to work? I was like, yeah, I'll work. So I took Friday off, showed up, worked all three days with him, didn't take any pay, didn't take any calls, just left and went about my day, and we became friends that weekend. <clears throat> but then the following year, we had kind of lined up them staying at my house because where they were staying just wasn't working out. It didn't have enough space. So they stayed at my house, asked me to be on staff just to help because elite staff guys generally help with shows. We had talked about me flying out to the show in Sacramento, or I think it's Sacramento, at least California. They do a show out there as well. They talked about flying me out for that one and doing that one with them. And then, of course, been trying to line up a hunt for a number of years, but it just never seems to work out with schedules and everybody's yeah. work stuff. Um, but I didn't really like want to break into the industry by any means. I'd never had any interest in that. I still really don't. I take photos cause I enjoy it. I work my dog cause I enjoy it. Yeah. I hunt with the guys I do cause I like it, but I knew the right people is the best way I can to d d describe it. Like Ryan well, Bartle, but a how good did you meet these people? I bought it because this a, is a question that I'm asking that we are asked constantly. So Ryan Bartle's younger brother, and my mom went to high school together. So I've known Ryan forever. Ryan used to hunt my farm. He's another family. He's another family of yep, St. Michael. Very well known right? family. Yep. Yeah. So like him and Tyler Saar, who's a guy at Habitat Flats, used to hunt my farm with my cousin before I hunted. So that's a pretty good start. Yep. So then like I kind of knew those guys before Tyler kind of blew up as who he is and who Bartle kind of became a main staffer at Avery and everything else. And then I also met. Um, then, surprisingly enough, I bought a bag from Bartle off of Facebook. That was it. And then we kind of clicked. We talked. We kind of realized who each other were. He had kind of remembered me from when I was like a little kid. And we just became friends. Well, then Bartle invited me to a couple of barbecues. I met a couple of people. Stelsner, Jake Powell with PPF Mud Motors, those yeah. guys. And then I just started making the connections and the friends. Started inviting guys on hunts. I'd put guys on a good hunt. I'd go about my day. And like to me, it wasn't anything more than just making friends and hunting and finding new places to go and guys that did trips. Because at this time... I didn't have friends that had money to go on trips or do anything like that. So I just was like bouncing from older friend to older friend that could do the fun stuff I wanted to do. <clears throat> and it just by happen chance, I met the right people and stand. <laughs> happen stance. <laughs> I did it again. I was waiting for it. I was waiting. Keep thinking about your dog chance. Okay. Yeah. Roll them dice. Um, but no, I just got lucky and met the right people at the right time. Sure. Um, Trevor and them really kind of like 
pushed it more. Like uh, I Pacific, had never Pacific calls. Pacific calls. I yeah. had never been on a staff. I was just like, no, I'm good. Like I just didn't want to be in that because the guys I had met that were on staff for certain companies are douche canoes. And, and that's and, that, <laughs> that was, and that's when I was going to go into my next question. Why? What don't like you? I don't know what it is about you. I love you, Gavin. But there's something about you. I'm a straight shooter. Or yeah, sure. Let's go a straight shooter. <laughs> let's go a straight shooter. But um, but you. You talk. This is gonna have to get edited, but like, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a very straight shooter. Yeah, very straight shooter. No, no, it's just like you talk so much shit about the hunting industry. Like, you talk so much shit about the hunting industry, and I and I want to know why you hate the hunting industry and like why you were so reluctant to have someone like Pacific Call, someone who's so well known in the waterfowl industry. To, to be like, no, dude, I want to. I remember you telling, like, you turned him down like three times or four no, times. No, not that many. I think, I think, I, I think I had said no once or twice. Okay, what, what do you mean by he talks so much shit about the hunting industry? Well, like, oh, hold on, hold on. I Let's want, clarify that. I will clarify that. Part. I want you to understand, I want the listeners to understand, like, I why bad, you I don't do, like to be, like, why you didn't want to be a part of the hunting industry in general. I didn't want to be a part of that kind of stuff because I had known guys who were affiliated with certain people and groups that didn't have a good representation. I mean, I thought Foyles was a cool dude, and then the year after I thought he was a cool dude, he blew up as what happened with his scandal. Every man has his skeletons. I'm not one to judge. That is what it is. And I don't necessarily talk shit, but I give an honest opinion of what I think of people and companies and how they treat customers and other people. If you show up to an event and you're an asshole, I'll call that. I don't mind saying that to you, to anybody else, but I don't hide my opinion. It's not me. It's never been me. If you ask me my opinion of you, I'm pretty blatant about it. And you know that as well as true. anybody. That's true. And some guys can rub me the wrong way, whether it's a personal meeting or a private meeting. There have been guys that have been super cool with me in private. And then the moment you go to a show or you run into them at game fair, you run, you run into them at dinner, then they got an ego and an, yeah. and an agenda. And I don't, I don't fly like that. Cause I don't care. It's so not what, my thing. So what about the hunting industry or just like waterfowl in general? Like what, I don't what think, about, what about, um, it don't you like? It's not that I don't like it. I, I love it. I love hunting. I love all that. What I don't like is yeah. how it's how guys have used like guys that bounce from staff to staff for discount to discount. If yep. you're gonna rep a company and rep something, you should rep it because it's what you truly believe in, not yeah. just because they're the only ones kicking you a discount. Yep. That that it's not that I dis I dislike that, but it's not that I hate it. I don't hate anything about it. I love the industry. I love the guys. There's a lot of good dudes. Stelzner. Trevor and Austin, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are just down-to-earth good dudes that'll help a guy out in need be. But then there's a plenty of guys with skeletons in their closet and, and issues and just problems that they bring to the game. That Then that is their issue to deal with, not so much mine. I avoid those people. I don't like going, like, I work game fair, I do, for Trevor and, those, and, those, and Alex. They ask me every year, they stay at my house, I work, whatever. But, like, I don't want to, like, hang out with everybody. It's, it's not my thing. I'm not that kind of guy. Is it enjoyable to go to Game Fair? Yes. I love seeing a couple of the guys. For sure. I love seeing some of the people I don't get to see very often. Stelzner. I, I talk to Stelz every week over text, but do I see him during the year? Very rarely. Maybe once or twice a year if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. So to see him for six days at Game Fair, his son Brian coming up and seeing what Brian's able to do with calls. He grows a foot every time at Game Fair. Yeah, the kid's like 6'8". He's going to be dunking before long. I haven't even opened this one yet. Yeah, go ahead. Alcoholic. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jesus. He's trying to feed me 20 beers and make me stay on your couch. Um, you're welcome. But no, like, it's just, I don't like how some guys have been represented and how guys represent certain companies. Like if you're at a show, you should be professional. 
showing what the good side of this company is, not being an ass or being a freaking mess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, to me, rubs me the wrong way because I take it serious. If you're going to trust me to represent a company or represent someone's name, I take that to a certain degree of seriousness, as I would expect well, someone else. If I'm, yeah, it's, if I'm employing name, you, you should be able to, to, to represent that to a high standard. That's just my two cents. I agree with that. And um, and feel free to chime in on this in yep. a second. But it's like like you and I have been friends for only three years. I swear to God, it's been at least four. It feels like it's a lifetime because dealing with you is <laughs> okay. All right, dude. <laughs> Keep talking shit all you want. But I'm still going to hug the shit out of you every time I see you. And I will continue to hug you, but I'm going to okay. continue to talk that shit. <laughs> but like, you were wondering. No, it's like you, you and I became friends when right around the time that we started this. Yeah, you know, I think you guys had only been going for roughly under this a is year. Our, this was our fourth year. This it, was our fourth year. Yeah, so you guys had only been going at it a year Three, that fall. Yeah, Th- yeah, f- four seasons. This is yeah, February 2016. Is and one thing that I always saw. Yeah, so not from, even a full year yet. It was only like, it would have been like, a, it would have been, I think I messaged you in October. Sub, uh, end of we September. We met at Game Fair, my end, first year. Of, yeah, but I don't remember Okay, that moving on. And We're going, yeah. Your point? <laughs> anyway, but... um. Like, you and I would, like, talk, and you're like, man, I just hate this about that, and I just hate this about that. And I'm like, damn, that's such a good point. Like, I hate it when, because, like, you look at, and and everyone knows them. Everyone knows them in the, in the industry. It's not even just waterfowl. It's whitetail. It's Everybody. turkey. It's whatever. This guy became, like, a good name or, like, a big name, and so he's just jumping from one company to the next, and that's, like, I don't want to say it was like just you, but like the second you said it after me and just, I think it was just because you were so young and like you have that different mindset of like, you're not a Gen X or a Gen Y, whatever, Gen Z, what what would he be? Gen Z? I don't know. How old are you? 24. 24. Yeah. I said technically Gen Z. Gen Z. Old so man. He, but he's no a crotchety old farm kid. So yeah. he's like, <laughs> he's, He's got that perfect mix of new school and old school, but he's like about, I'd say about 80% old school and 20% Gen Z fuckhead. So um, I can't disagree with that at all. But like hearing, for whatever reason, hearing Gavin say, you know what? I don't like when guys do this. I don't like it when guys do that. And like you had a big influence on me just because I hunted with you and I saw where you came from and I met your grandpa and your grandma. And it's just like, damn, okay. That makes a lot of sense. And it's not that I hadn't thought of that myself, but you just helped solidify, throw the nail into the coffin on that one for me. But like what like you've been like Connor's in the industry way more than you and I combined 100%. in ten lifetimes. Oh yeah. But like Connor deals with way more people than I do. But like what are some things that you don't like about the hunting industry? Um the well I have had a huge blessing of being able to be interact with people that are great in this industry. Yeah. And that's why I, I love it. Um, the, something that is difficult with it, it is that it is very small in the fact that like, it's, it, it was described to me as incestual because you, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not a wrong statement though. Cause how many guys work for multiple companies? Well, see, that's how many the guys thing. go from one to the next? Cause yeah. there's only a certain number of providers for what you're, you're doing. Yep. And if you want to stay in it, you know, you want to stay if you're relevant, a, a marketing yeah. director, you can easily jump from company to company to company in a five-year period. You can be oh, through yeah. three companies, and that's why somebody, you know, incestual. Because sure. I mean, because you got to think, there's only, I mean, I can think of ten big names that supply waterfall that 
would 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 warrant a big position like that to move to to afford the same pay rate. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And if you're gonna make that kind of move, you need the same salary, you need the same benefits, same perks. Yeah. You're not gonna downgrade and move states because generally you have to move state to state for that kind of stuff. And so because but after of that, COVID, probably not. Because probably of that, not because though, everyone works from home now, which yeah. I don't. Because of that, though, everybody like they just need to be very careful about the enemies that they make or, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing and, and the sides that they pick. And, and really a lot of the younger run companies that are starting to rise up in popularity because they figured out how to advertise to market. Uh, well, ad- advertise to people that have, um, that don't care about their credit card debt and there's that stage of life, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, like that they, terrifies me, that it, statement, <laughs> But because they've figured that out and figured out how to be cool and sell on that cool factor, oh yeah, it's um, everybody wants to they, be fucking cool. They can easily like push aside, you know, the the old people in the industry that have been doing this for a long time and ignore them. Well, as soon as that that fad fades away, now you're hosed. Yeah, you know, and if they jump to a different, like they just made a bunch of enemies, and so it's. I have learned a lot about just interacting with people and you never know who you're going to, you know, where somebody's going to go, especially if they're in the industry and when you're going to see them next. And, um, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, going to shot show, talking to people. That's actually one thing I would like to do. I'd like to go to shot show at some point. I Come actually find that. Yeah. Sure. Come with so us. the, well, I find that show would be super interesting just because the release things that dude, come out. My mind was blown. Like I just on what's there. Apparently, you can only spend eleven seconds at each booth if you want to hit everyone. It's and not if possible if you're there every it's single impossible. bet. Yeah, I'll run that bitch. <laughs> if you're there every single day from <laughs> open to close, you can spend eleven seconds at every booth. God, to hit, to see to every hit, booth to hit everyone. And, I'm and, in. and some booths are a quarter of a mile away. Well, I was going to say, if so I remember right, the Benelli booth was huge. Yeah, no, they are big. Yeah. Vista Outdoors is probably yeah, the biggest so one. Yeah, Vista's huge. Because they just have so many. Oh, yeah, they got Six so many Hour, products. Six that, Hour was dope, dude. See, I that's literally the thing, creamed like, yeah. my shorts. <laughs> I was say, the gun, like, the gun manufacturer's booths look so fucking dope. Filson yeah. was dope. Dude. Filson's look good. The, the atmosphere of Filson was so cool. They had, like, clothing racks. They had, like, Se- stitching patches everywhere. I watched everywhere. the video from Fuck. Seiko's walkthrough and Tika's walkthrough, oh, and I was like, oh, Seiko I want to see too. this. I've yeah. been looking at rifles from them, and my wallet screams every time I open the, the <laughs> web page, but it's fine. Just be quiet. More credit card debt's okay. <laughs> but what? Kids, see? I'm not. See? They're I'm marketing not. to him. Yeah. You're damn right. You, both of you, look at each other right now and tell me you haven't bought something before that wasn't just because it was cool. What do you mean? Oh, I've 100 anything, any, that. anything in the hunting industry, if you bought something purely because it's cool, not because you really needed it, not because you I, didn't necessarily I, need it, but you bought it because it was fucking cool. I, I can agree with that. I probably convinced yeah. myself. Yeah, you're like, I need this. I need this. Did okay. I need a white vest from Rigor Might? No. Did I buy one? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this so my, fucking cool. my one thing that I bought that I knew I didn't need was also because that was the year that Obama got into office and I thought for sure assault rifles were going to be banned. Yeah. So Rob and I went halvesies on a ridiculous rifle that's just bad fucking ass, dude. And I mean, it's straight out of Call of Duty. I mean, it's so I sick. I, I mean, I was a gun not long before that. No, yeah. but yeah. Oh, no, I, yeah. I do. That's all I did my senior year of high school was research guns. Yeah. It was, oh. a, it was a bad time. Barely graduated. Oh, I just, I've just, yeah. I just but but to round out what I was saying about the, the industry that I think is, or something well, I kind of noticed. What don't you like? What don't you like about it? Was my um, original question. Uh, I think he made the point of the incest part because it's so small as if, uh, yeah. if he does have an issue with somebody, then it could come to haunt him at a later date. Yeah. At least is what I kind of got from well, that. Yeah, that, that is that is a negative, I would say. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And the hard part it. is to that exact point is if someone screws you and now you got to deal with them later, 
now you have to save face. You know what I mean? Like you have to be nice later when they're with a new company because it's a new, it's the same person and same problems, but it's a new company and you're trying to make a new deal. Yeah, so then you, you kind of have to let that old thing go, which for me doesn't happen. See, and it's much. not, and it's not based on factual, like it cannot be based on factual stuff. I could, you know, quote, screw somebody that I didn't even like, I just was trying to do the right thing. You yeah, know? and then and they could take it as like five oh, years later, you, Connor. They could be in a position of power over me or something like that. And, and it's, now you're in a different and like. Yeah, and I've been trying to play the high road the whole time, and it just doesn't work, you know. And it's so yeah. No, I guess and, I'd say that. But um, and to Joey's question originally, it's not that I've ever hated anything about it. I love the industry, the majority of it. There's just a couple of black eyes with certain things that bother me. That's there's a how couple I, of what like black eyes to it. Like just oh. issues that shiners. come up. Shiners, yeah. There's a couple like things that just know how to rub me stop, the wrong way. Stop. I swear to God, you just said black eyes. <laughs> black so, eyes. No, yeah. eyes, I know, Joey. but just go back and say there's a couple of shiners. Shiners? Just just say oh, that okay. so that we can fix it. Oh, God. Okay. I swear to okay. God, you said black eyes. <laughs> well, I mean, you addressed it, so I think, you know, we're okay. That but let's we, just start over. There's a couple of shiners on the industry itself that bother me, and that's what you and I have always talked about. It always comes back to the same couple of things. How guys treat guys, how guys treat other industry like companies. If you're part of one and it's a competitor to another, how you treat that other represent like that other person, that other staffer, that other this. When you're rude and just kind of blatant about it, that to me rubs me the wrong way because it's not about that. Like you guys are in the same game. Like there's no reason to be rude about things mm-hmm. like that. To me. Yeah. What I find interesting, though, is that you, like, you know, for getting into the industry, a lot of people, they find their way into a company that already has something to offer, or they, you know, Let's put some whatever heavy it is. quotes on that. You, that was about me getting into the industry. No, it's no, I'm, I'm talking about quotes. everybody, oh, like, we get people it. that want to get into the industry. Yeah. No, the, but you, you did it through hunting. You know, yeah. like like it, it and strictly through hunting, yeah. you, and your love of hunting and your joy of hunting and any kind of industry connections that or you have dog now work, honestly, is straight up because work. of hunting. Yeah. yeah, basically, I mean, the dog work opened the door to one, right? But, the but even the dog the work, the reason so that you the enjoy the dog work is of because of the hunting. Yep, I never got into it for like, or or like Joey knows this. I don't just hunt with like anybody. Like mm-hmm. I'm not one to just jump That's on a true. random trip. I don't like hunting with people I don't know. I am. It's just not me. I like to know the guys. I like to know like what I'm doing with them, who I can trust. Because especially like not so much if I'm just there, but if I bring the dogs, there's a set of rules that go with every hunt. I'm in charge. If if I say guns go up, guns go up. No shooting. Done. That's it. Like yeah. there's no questions asked. I don't. There's no debate. If you don't listen in those moments, and it's one of the rules about the dogs, you go home. Mm-hmm. If it, if it's my field and my call, you're going home then and there. Yeah. Period. I don't take risks. I don't take those chances for safety purposes. But, like, the love of hunting is what it's always been. I mean, and my dad got me hunting as a kid. I was been hunting deer hunting since I was two and three. Brought me pheasant hunting and cow hunting. He didn't waterfall hunt a bunch. He brought me a few times as a kid for, like, youth day and little stuff like that. But my uncle owns property in Wisconsin here on Turtle Lake. And that's actually where I did my first goose hunt. We shot a six-man limit over alfalfa after work one day with him. He picked me up from school, bailed out there, got there at, like, I want to say, like, 5 o'clock four o'clock I don't remember I was like nine or ten and we whacked them just stacked them up and then I spent all weekend with him shooting them again and I since that day forward have fell in love with it I was literally obsessed it's all I thought about all I wanted to do I pretty much plan all of my vacation and free time around that and my girlfriend hates it (laughs) literally some days I'm like oh well I want to go on this trip and she's like what about a vacation what about somewhere warm and nice I'm like I'm out of vacation days though babe and she's like 
And she just gives me this look where I know, like, oh, man, I need to maybe save some of these points. And I try really hard to, and then it never works. I never save them. I never do. I end up burning them on, like, a trip. Like, this year, I've already lined up, like, the hope. I'm hoping for four trips. I'm really trying since I took off kind of last year because of the You really house. didn't do a whole lot of hunting this year, bud. No, because I've been working seven days a week. That, you were trying to hit that white tail. I was trying to shoot that big buck at my dad's one. Yeah. And to the house, I told myself no trips with the house. I was going to grind real hard and work a ton. And try you and to put I my literally, back we didn't hunt once together this no, year. No, I didn't. I hunted with Riley only four times. Now, do I feel like something was missing this year? Yes. Yeah. My now, smiling, now have I, smug face Now have I missed you badly? Yes. Oh. Now, are you going to have to come on the podcast more next time when Cal's on, when he's not busy? Yes. I'm in. I'm yeah. always down to come on whenever. You guys know yeah. that. Will you probably be invited again? No. But <laughs> that's <laughs> fine. That's okay. <laughs> this was a train wreck anyhow. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Well, I, I think that's a good place to wrap it up, right? Uh, honestly, there was one more thing I wanted then to talk to him about. Talk about it. What's Let's up? Let's go. Me being a little city boy, I technically grew up in the country, but my, I mean, my father was wealthy growing up. Yeah, so I like, saw I your don't, I don't child at home the other day. <clears throat> talk about wealth. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, didn't have, I, didn't have an, I didn't have AC till like 10th grade, and this kid had an indoor sports court. Oh, my God. <laughs> or sorry, okay. pool. Sorry, it was a pool, kids. We're going to edit that out. <laughs> I don't want that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that on the podcast, but. Connor, keep it. Um... No, it's like, dude, I have so many agriculture questions. Like, why um, does Minnesota, why does the Midwest till under everything? And I know this is, I've asked you this in in person because I'm so frustrated every time we start to get birds in the area, birds in the area, and then all of a sudden everything black. gets turned under and everything's black. And it's like, okay. And then the fields that aren't turned under, birds aren't going to it because that's where everyone's hunting. And so they're hitting chisel plug cornfields. And then all of a sudden you start hunting the chisel plow cornfields. You wreck your trailers. You wreck, you wreck your trucks. You can't walk out into them, so you need to use only silos. And then you don't have enough numbers. H- help me out as to why. Hold on. To, Minnesota to one, farmers. One point that I'm going to change on yours. Okay. Um, some of us just get up at the ass crack of dawn and lug gear out. That's the other option <laughs> all right, you all right. could do. You <laughs> oh, just boy. sometimes avoid that part. Um, okay. But to answer your question. Why I had an agriculture question, not as yep. to why I'm lazy. <laughs> no, it wasn't lazy comment. You I was asshole. <laughs> so my old man's taught me everything with the farming thing. I don't not educated in this for a certain reason. The reason more he's always than me probably the reason he's always told me is because our dirt is so heavy and so black it needs to be turned over both times, spring and and uh, fall. And so, what kind of soil is that? Uh, black dirt. Black dirt and clay. Uh, we have, yeah, we do we, we do have some hard clay in Alberta. Well, and, and, yes. and the reason why I'm asking that is because our we have listeners from all over the world. Yeah, and yeah. So like, I want to. Oh, yep, yep. We do have know, some very thick clay and some heavy black dirt, and it makes for some really thick, muddy, hard soil. But it's very fertile soil. Yeah, it's very fertile. So we have yeah. the River Valley close, and it just works out super well for the farming industry around this area. And most of Minnesota is very fertile. I mean, there's some sandy parts, yeah, when you get up north and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's very good ground. Um, but that's been at least always how we do it. We plant. Uh, we don't no-till, so we just plant with a regular planter. So we have to till up spring and summer, or spring and fall, I apologize, um, just because of how heavy our ground is. We have a few sandy fields that occasionally skate by. And the other thing is, is I think it's just the old man being anal. 
It's just he likes making sure it's tilled and done. I mean, some guys don't do it anymore. Some guys just try it. They say there's a lack of production in your yield the next year, but I don't know if there's any facts to that, okay. to be honest. I honestly never check our yield year to year because the old man keeps track well, of it. Well, you're also and, not <laughs> as involved as... No, as I used to be. I used to be very involved, and now I help on nights when we need it, and I help here and there on the weekends, but I'm not there every day as I used to be. I used to be there pretty much seven days a week, but now with my cousins being in different positions and my, my grandpa working less in the fall as a grain hauler, now it kind of works out to where between the four of them, and we lost ground. We used to 2,000 acres. Now we only do about 1,100, so it's easier to manage with four people. It used to be tough with three of us working out full-time, a load of cows to milk, and my grandpa hauling grain full-time. Then it took all five of us to get it all done in the fall and in the spring, but now it's not so bad. So then I help I help plant. I help bring the old man seed and everything else, and then I help in the fall with harvest. I run the combine occasionally, and then I'll run loads for everybody when we need or I'll run the dryer or whatever need, 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 needs to be done. Other than I don't chisel plow, that's my cousin's thing. He likes mm. doing that. I don't like bouncing around like a fucking baba bobblehead. Yeah, no shit. I think you told me last year when I asked you, or two years when I asked you, two years ago when I asked you, is <clears throat> some of it is like, hey, a sign of chisel chisel plowing your field is like we're done for the year. We've cashed out. Um, kinda. Is that like I don't a, remember is that, that like statement. Bragging, is that like bragging no, rights to like no, I don't. Else I don't think it's a bragging no? because no one really. You're so fucking busy in the fall. Nobody pays attention to where the neighbors are at. Sure. Well, as far as you know, is if you see a neighbor drive by with a great like a gravity box down the gravels. But as far as we go to worrying about the neighbors, I don't know if it's more or less brag. I don't think it's a bragging rights thing. I think it's it's a nice thing for us. Like when we look around and know, all right, everything's chisel plowed, everything's in the bin, everything's done. And then like some farmers are done at that point. My family's a little different, so like we wash and wax all equipment when that's done. Well, so then, no one's seeing that though. Yeah, but. Yeah. The the point is is for us it's like, oh okay, the work's done. But then part of the work has still begun. So then we still have that maintenance. left. Yeah, maintenance. Maintenance. Maintenance, which we don't do maintenance, we just wash and wax everything. Well keep it away. keeping your shit nice. Yeah, you know how the old man is. Anal. <laughs> yeah. That's how he is. But um you, no, I don't you think, think it's he'd ever a, come on the podcast and talk about absolutely agriculture. Not. <laughs> really? No. He would laugh at you if really? you asked him. Do you think this. so? Yeah, he's hey, not Mike. Like this. Hey, Mike, can you come and educate America on how agriculture is done in St. Michael Albertville for the last 112 years, as your family has done this entire time? You think he would say, fuck that? Uh, yeah. Really? <laughs> I, think, I think spot on he'd tell you to pound fucking sand. <laughs> mm. And I, think, I tell him, I, what field of yours has sand, motherfucker? <laughs> I think it would go about as well as the, the conversation you guys had that one summer day. <laughs> as All right. you know. Oh, no. I think it would go a lot like that. You can test tell it. Tell Connor. Tell Connor. So tell we had like a small hailstorm. No, no, and as everyone knows. It was knows, not a small hailstorm. It was a good sized hailstorm. <laughs> but as everyone knows, Joey is a exterior contractor. Slut. Yeah, he was a slut. whore. Yeah. Um, but uh, he and comes to the farm. Yeah, he comes to the farm one day and me and the old man are moving equipment back and forth and dinging around. And he comes in and goes, did you guys get hail? And I was like, I don't think so. He goes, well, let me check the sheds. And I was like, yeah, I'll talk to the old man before you crawl up there. I'm not saying shit. It's not my call. It's his house, his place. So he goes, the old man goes, hey, I think your shed's covered for, for uh, hail. And Pop goes, what fucking hailstorm? He goes, well, we got some serious hail, like this size. And I don't remember the size you said. And he goes, that ain't going to cause enough fucking damage. I don't like this gay voice that you're using for what? me. Dude. I, I don't like whoa, this, I don't like this Femi I don't, I don't like this no Femi voice. I don't like this there Femi no voice. Femi voice. I think you guys got some pretty good hail. That's what you said. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. Either way, so the old man basically tells him to just fuck off. And... 
to, to, to <laughs> the worst part is, is Joey walked into the buzzsaw and didn't listen. I told him, I said, hey man, I leave it alone. The old man's kind of had a shit week. Like he ain't the happiest right now. I would leave it alone. And he just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And, uh, he, uh, didn't do so hot with that. So, so I, I walk up to the farm and I go, hey, guy, you've known me for about, I don't know, nine months at this point. Maybe. Let me take charge of your hail claim that you've never put in on the farm real quick. And he goes, <laughs> the boo box. <laughs> he literally put me in the fucking boo box. Dude. He goes, no, you're a stupid little kid and you're not doing shit. That's what he said in less words. The old He's man like, no. is very much against government and insurance companies. The less interaction with both of those, the better for him. And I follow suit with that. So <laughs> it makes sense. For sure. For sure. But I, I honestly, Gavin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a really good friend of ours. I love you to death. Love you guys. You Gavin Coles, K-O-L-L-E-S 12, right? Yes, On sir. Instagram. Go follow and, him. Um, it's about the only reasonably cool page I have. You're yep. gonna you're gonna come back on when Cal's not busy. Yep, I'll yep. come on whenever you guys. And know um, okay, fun fact though, we got new hats. They are in stock. Of new hats. Yep. Dude, they they look good. I do need a new hat because mine's it's exact. Shot. It's exactly like that except our logo. It's like my vortex hat. But without yeah. a patch hat, it's our logo embroidered. It oh, looks it's embroidered? Yeah, yep, it is. Oh, dude, I'm sold. Because I ruined the last one by accident. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Green and khaki, and then there's all black <gasps> with just the. Uh, there's a green just and the khaki. Duck head. Yep. So oh, they look hard. pretty good. They look pretty good, guys. And I don't know if you knew this, but we have an Instagram and a YouTube channel. So why don't you go and subscribe <laughs> and follow them? And if you haven't already, hit that notification bell so you know every time we post a video. And if you want to buy anything we have, go to middlewestflyways.com slash shop. That was the most Italian sales pitch I've ever heard in my life. That was just that was everything. You gotta yeah. fit it all in. Just gonna leave a review, fast. write a comment, and it, thank you. 95, 95, 95, please, <laughs> sir. Sold in the front row. <laughs> That we was what that was like. Fucking farm kid here at the auction when he was eight years old. He's like, I want to be him. <laughs> I, you know what the best part is? I actually did want to be the auctioneer when I was a kid. Thought that was the coolest fucking job. I could tell. Yep. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And last but not least, thanks to Camel Retro for sponsoring this podcast. We will thank see you, Camel Retro, for giving me an avenue to sell some old gear. There, there you go. go. We will see you guys soon.